Hey, kiddies! It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. Put up your spooks! <laughs> this week's theme... Happy Halloween! Oh, hello, Jeff. Hey, Ryan. It's Halloween season. It is indeed. You had suggested maybe we do like a Darkest Timeline kind of an episode, but I really I really wanted to do Halloween because we love Halloween and we can't get enough Halloween. We're not getting enough Halloween. And frankly, uh, I'm just a little tired of Darkest Timeline. You know, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy Halloween Ryan. Yeah, and um, I think ultimately that is the good move. Now, in my defense... Darkest Timeline translates into Baywatch, uh, Baywatch <laughs> Nights Season 2, um, which I'm still, I will subject you to. I don't understand how it can get any weirder than in regular Baywatch when Mitch fought a giant squid. Well, you're gonna find out. Maybe not on the very next episode of Put Up Your Spooks, but soon. It truly, oh, yes. It truly will be the darkest timeline. Well, on a happy Halloween note, my episode this week is an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark that I've been looking forward to for a long time. It's the tale of the Midnight Ride. And this is the introduction of Tucker, everyone's favorite little shit. No one's favorite little shit, I suppose. Gary's mom made him bring Tucker to the Midnight Society, otherwise she'd ban him for life. The reason why there's an opening for Tucker is because two members of the Midnight Society have allegedly moved away. But as we know, they are certainly buried among the pines. Yeah, because what are the chances that two separate families would both move away at the exact same time? Slim to none. Slim to none. And of course, Frank and Kiki are not having it. Yeah, I mean, the fewer members there are in that group, the the stronger Frank and Kiki's reign of terror <laughs> well, and Gary, you know, they're, they're like, no way, no how. And Tucker's like, if you scabs will lighten up, maybe I can tell you my story and maybe it'll be awesome. And they're like, okay. And then Gary says, it better be good or I'll let Frank pound you. Uh, that was disturbing. Um, and also, <laughs> what is Tucker's accent? Hispanic by way of Canadian? Chicago. By way of Chicago? And, you know, I, I don't know actually where that kid's from. I imagine he's Canadian because he got his start in Are You Afraid of the Dark? But who knows? The Tale of the Midnight Ride. Tucker begins his story, The Tale of the Midnight Ride, and we get a lovely little prologue all about the history of the Headless Horseman and Ichabod Crane and the town of Sleepy Hollow. And it's all told with sound and, like, moving shots of just scenery. There's no characters in it whatsoever, but it's nice. Then they cut to present day, and a new student, Ian, has just moved to Sleepy Hollow. He's kind of a geek, but a lovable one. Across the quad of his high school, he, I don't know if high schools have quads, but this one certainly has the equivalent squads i don't know uh he sees this lovely young woman being totally abused by the school bully brad her name is katie and uh brad knocks all her shit to the ground and ian goes over to help her pick it all up i mean maybe there's a time to kryptonite in this episode but i think we need to add a new criteria which is 
what I'm going to call time to jock knock, <laughs> which is terrible. The, well, the time it takes from the establishing shot of the student quad of a person walking until a football or some jock hits them with the ball or knocks something out of their hands. I neglected to mention that it was a football that knocked Katie's stuff all to the ground. I also neglected to mention that it was Halloween stuff. <laughs> so Ian's picking her stuff up and uh, he volunteers to help her decorate for the big upcoming Halloween dance. Then he gives Brad a bunch of lip about breaking one of the decorations and tells him to go get it fixed. And Brad is not pleased. So they're in the gym decorating. Ian's like hanging, you know, those pumpkin buckets that you trick or treat with. He's hanging one of those up high in a girder. And uh, Brad is like hassling and abusing Katie because... Look, I'll say when we don't go out anymore. So Ian, being gallant, like dumps the pumpkin on Brad's head. So Brad, being a classic bully, kicks his ladder out. And he's like threatening him. And uh, then he leaves and Katie says, I'm sorry. And uh, asks Ian to save her a dance. So Ian is sitting there and then a pumpkin falls on his head and it looks like it really hurts. I hope he got hazard pay. So Ian is is a raging dork mm. who walks around like a wind-up doll with his arms flailing everywhere. He does really flail and his floppy 90s hair flops. It's one thing for someone to, to threaten to pound him in the the wraparound in the midnight society but in this story um brad uh pulls a ladder out from under him while he's like up in the rafters yeah that could have been like very dangerous he's an 80s bully stuck in the 90s bully's body he threatens to knock out ian's teeth and then he says he's uh at this point or some point soon um he threatens to kill ian yeah, he, he, he says he'll take this his is, head off himself. He, he's, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a full-on abuser. Up, yeah, he, he's a psycho. His interactions with Katie give you all you need to know about his future, like, marriages slash relationships. So, the Halloween dance is on, and both Ian and Katie are dressed as colonial people. Which I think is one of the reasons, it, it's it's a fine ep and it's, it's all well and good, but I think the reason I love it so much and hold it in such high regard is because they dress like colonial people. And I love colonial, like, colonial attire and colonial kind of, uh... Accoutrement? Well, you cool. know, whatever. Ryan and I are, are both New Englanders. Yeah, and, that's uh, probably a big reason, because we, we, we always used to, to um, do this thing called Little Red Schoolhouse when I was in elementary school, and so for one school day, you dressed up like a colonial child, and you took a hike <laughs> across the woods to the Little Red Schoolhouse, and like the postmaster in our town was like the headmaster, and he'd come out, and he'd have his big like ruler, and he'd, he'd be like giving us our lessons, and we'd have a little slate that we could, you know, write on with the chalk, and he'd be, like, whomping the chairs with his ruler, and we'd be fucking terrified, but then you could, like, have lunch, and you'd pack your little lunch in, like, a, you know, a handkerchief, and, you know, I'd carry my pewter mug, and I'd get to wear my tricorn, and you could, like, pump water via the old-fashioned pump and stuff. It was just so much fun, and my favorite part was wearing the tricorn, because there's no corn like a tricorn. For years, I've wanted to do Halloween as a colonial guy, and it's mostly because of that and this this episode, but I just haven't gotten around to it. I even have, like, a floppy woman's hat on my Amazon shopping list 
because I plan to buy it and then pin up the sides to make my sure, own tricorder. Sure, sure, that's why. Uh, and, I, and, and the lacy underwear is just... Well, yeah, that's just comfortable. So they're like, hey, hey, we're twins, woo-woo. And uh, then, you know, it kind of, it does like a little montage, and Ian is like silently improving to all Katie's friends and winning them over, which is not easy. Like, talking silently as an actor, tough, I think. Anyway. They could have just cut the sound. It's possible, but even improving a conversation with sound is, is tricky. So, hey, mad props to Floppy Ian. Mad props to Mad Flops. Uh, <laughs> so, he's like dancing with some other lady who's also quite attractive, and uh, despite his floppiness, and then across the, across the room he sees Brad just uh, abusing Katie again. He's like grabbing her by the elbow. You you know you leave when you say it, when I say you leave. <laughs> and and he's like slapping her across the face and everything, and all his friends are like Brad. You can't do that, man. But he's like, back off, or I'll pound you. So Ian has no choice but to intervene. He's like, hey, the lady doesn't want to talk to you, Brad. And Brad's like, oh, it's on now, scum. And he takes him outside, and this is actually kind of funny. He's like, Ian's like holding his fists up, fisticuff style. So Brad's like, you can put your hands down, dork. Like, I'm not going to fight you, blah, blah, blah. But you, since you're new in town, you got to do the initiation, which... He, he tells them the story of Ichabod and the Headless Horseman, and he says Ichabod was looking for the Bridge of the Souls, but he should have gone left at a fork in the road, but instead he went right, and then the Headless Horseman caught him. So, like, every Halloween, the, the ghosts, you know, reappear, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, you, as the new kid, have to go to the Bridge of Souls and find the Headless Horseman's pumpkin and bring it back. Otherwise, you can put your fist back on Otherwise, you are going to have to put up your spooks. <laughs> so... Two things related to The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. One is that they're because they live in the town of Sleepy Hollow, to which Ian is a newcomer, there is a Bridge of Souls. And, you know, it's normal to them because everyone just, I guess, grew up with the Bridge of Souls being like a thing in town. And they so casually refer to it. It's like, you got to get that pumpkin from the Bridge of Souls. And it's like, turn here. We're going to go cross the Bridge of Souls. <laughs> and Ian, who's from the big city, um, I guess because he's so deeply immersed in... Um, sleepy hollow lore like just rolls with it he's like oh yes of course the bridge of souls the other thing is do you think do you think they were padding the episode out or they were just making a concession to the um attention span of children that when tucker is introducing the story he tells the whole legend and of then they do it again sleepy hollow and ichabod crane and then in the episode the bully is the one who recounts it, which, you know, it's it's in character, it's in the yeah. narrative. Uh, that's um, a good question. I bet they were just trying to pad it out. Or maybe they just wanted to do kind of a fun montage with that, with like those fences and cannons or whatever, all that imagery. Or maybe yeah. they just wanted Tucker to say his head was ripped off by a stray cannonball, which I found to be quite a gory image. So let's see. Then what happens? He decides to go and find the pumpkin. He's, like, wandering around in the dark. He hears some ghostly horse noises. Uh, he gets to the bridge, or he gets to the fork in the road. He's like, you went right, old Ichabod. I'm going left. And he finds the Bridge of Souls, and he finds a jack-o'-lantern, which is glowing green. Just as he picks it up, the headless horseman jumps out from the bushes. Ian is, like, terrified, and he's, like, running away. He crouches on the ground saying, don't take my head! But... It's only Brad playing a trick. 
And he's like, fuck you, weasel. You suck. This is going to go down in history. And Ian is so, so sad. He's like so bummed that he was such a coward. And all the bullies leave, but Katie is also there, and she stays behind because she really likes Ian, and she's like, don't worry about it. I think it was brave of you to come here. That part where you cried and pooped your pants, no big deal. I mean, this is maybe not going to paint me in a good light. <laughs> I find it hard that Katie is interested in Ian. He's such a floppy dork <laughs> he, and he is, clearly but- a a coward and and I think this is all just rebellion against Brad. It's it's probably rebellion against jock. Brad and the idea that he's like from the big city and so maybe he's more worldly and also he's just kind of a nice guy and unlike typical quote unquote nice guys he actually has the balls to to be like hey Katie I like you would you like to dance with me why don't we go out sometime like he's not afraid of her like a typical dork high school dork like <clears throat> myself yeah i guess he gets all that nervous energy out through his arms yeah he just flails it out and then he's 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 free to ask out ladies that he likes you know and also they're twins they both dress like colonials i mean that's fate baby they do have the twin corn hats so he, he walks her home and she's cold so he gives her his jacket but as they walk off a headless rider watches them through the fog juice so they get to the fork in the road again and suddenly this crazy pale rider on a horse appears in the road and he's like excuse me you young children i'm looking for the bridge of souls do you know which way it is <laughs> and they're like yeah it's that away oh lucky thing i surely would have taken a right thank you kindly and they're like who are you you weirdo and he's like ichabod crane Nighty night. And they're like, that's weird. And then he vanishes. As soon as they turn around, he's gone. So that's creepy. Impossible vanish. Now, does it make sense that there's the story about which fork, which path you take in the fork to get to the Bridge of Souls? And then Ian um, leaves the high school dance and is on the road and takes the opposite fork to get to the bridge. And then he and Katie walk back to her place, but then Ichabod appears and they send him down that road. Like, does it make sense that you can approach this bridge and this fork from either direction and still always and be still hit the, the fork? <laughs> Maybe there or are two is, forks. Or is the Bridge of Souls truly a magical nexus? It's a spirit bridge. We, yeah, you can only are... up, you can only approach the Bridge of Souls via fork. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so Ian drops Katie off at his at her porch, and he's about to kiss her. Like that is another thing I would have run off and been like, oh, good night. He was just flailing his lips. They're about, they're about to kiss, but the porch light comes on. So he he's like, oh, I gotta go back to the school. I got my bike, and so he goes back to the school. Um, he keeps hearing horse noises, and just as he's, I, I think he makes it to the school. And he actually sees a rider coming at him through the fog juice. And so he runs away. He gets to his bike, tries to unlock it, but his bike lock key is in his jacket, which is still with Katie. Luckily, she's right behind him, giving him a little startle because she wanted to give him his jacket back. So she followed him. Now he's going to have to walk her back to her house again, although maybe he'll actually get the kiss this time. So they see like a rider and a horse shadow on the side of the school. And 
Ian has finally had it. He's like, Brad, fuck off. Like, it's not funny anymore. I'm not falling for your bullshit. But then suddenly the Shadow Rider warps out of the wall in a flash of fire, and it's the real headless horseman. And it chases them both down. They're like on their bikes, riding full out to escape the headless horseman. And Katie's like, why is he chasing us? And Ian's like, we sent old Ichabod down the Bridge of Souls. Now the rider needs a new head. And which tracks, I think. And so they chase him down, they get to the bridge, oh, and Brad is there at the school for some reason, and the rider chases him down, and he's like, don't take my head! That was the, like, it didn't make any sense for him to be there, but they needed him to get his comeuppance. I mean, it made sense for Brad to be at the school. He and his friends were, like, kind of roving... Yeah, maybe they went that back to the night, dance. The night of the dance. Yeah. So they get to the bridge, and Ian, the the, 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 bridge the pumpkin, of souls. The, they get to the bridge of souls, taking the fork. The the pumpkin is still there, and this is actually, I I really like this part. He's like, I hope this works both ways, and he chucks the jack o' lantern at the headless horseman. But then the headless horseman just stabs it on his saber and throws it away, and he's like, oh shit, and he keeps chasing him. Although I think it, I'm, I wonder how many takes of that they had to do, like to get him to actually stab. And you could tell that the, it was a real pumpkin. It was really heavy because it just immediately weighed the sword down. Oh, uh, you don't think they ran it in reverse? I don't. I really style? don't. I don't think they ran it in reverse, no. Because they oh. would have had to pull the pumpkin off with like a string or something. I think they literally threw it at the rider and he just had to stab it and hope hope he didn't, you know, hit it. I think a pumpkin is is hollow and heavy and it would just go right on a, on a sword like nothing. Yeah, yeah, if he hit it properly. But also, Which he did at this point. Oh, Mythbusters. Put up your spooks. Spookbusters edition. Do you have a sword? I don't actually have a sword. I think I have some machetes that will also do the job. I anticipate many broken wrists. I'm looking forward to this. Let's set this up soon. <laughs> so that doesn't work. The Headless Horseman is chasing them down. They're hiding in the bushes. Ian's like, I... I'll distract him. You run for the bridge. Because they know they have to get him to cross the bridge. Is the only way to defeat him. And then Katie, for no reason, is like, no, I'll distract him. You run for the bridge. And she just bolts out. And then she's immediately cornered by the Headless Horseman. Then Ian runs out using all of his true bravery that he's gotten. He puts the floppiness into his legs. Yeah. He puts the spooks back into his... Ups? He puts the ups back into his spooks. Just, just leave it. <laughs> and then... And then he makes a run for it. He crosses the bridge. The horseman vaporizes in another big, gigantic explosion of fire. And the day is saved. And then Ichabod Ghost comes back and is like, Oh my, you stupid asshole children sent me on a wild goose chase. I think I'll take the right fork this time. And they're like, yeah, do that and die, you fuck. You children should not be out so late. And on Halloween to boot. They say these woods are haunted, you know. The end. Are we to understand that Ichabod is going to circle around the town and approach the bridge from the other side? Or is he going to cross the Bridge of Souls so he can turn around and then go back oh, towards yeah. the Bridge of Souls and take the wrong path? You know, and isn't, isn't the Headless Horseman banished or at least banished for that year i think it was just the universe course correcting the, the reason why ichabod 
crossed back because like he would have found the bridge if he went the way they told him to go but uh so something in his ghost dna told him it was wrong so he had to backtrack or the bridge reset itself before he could get there and he found himself at a fork again checks out uh both the headless horseman and ichabod must be chafed as hell from hundreds of years of just riding horses with non-stop now their ghost dna uh adapts to <laughs> <laughs> the rigors of the saddle rigors mortis yeah horse sound you know i'm surprised that there aren't more halloween episodes of these shows like there's only two halloween are you afraid of the darks i mean maybe it was like about the schedule and when they aired you know maybe there were certain seasons that didn't air around halloween or something but if i was doing a horror anthology i'd be like all over halloween every season there'd be a halloween episode even if it was going to air at christmas time when you double down on the Halloween theme for this episode, I was a little worried because I went through my entire spreadsheet of 80s horror anthology shows, and there are virtually zero that are set on Halloween or that involve Halloween. I guess we can look forward to not doing any more Halloween episodes after this. Well, the only other one I could find is a really famous uh, Tales from the Dark side, but, you know, it's it's almost impossible to find uh, streaming episodes of Tales from the Dark side. So, you know, we'll, I'll have to do some digging to get that for, for next year. But I was going to bring it up, just how shocked I was at the, the paucity of Halloween yeah. spooky episodes. Very surprising. Oh, well. Happy Halloween! My episode for this very spooky Happy Halloween episode of Tales from the Crypt is called Only Skin Deep. So we start with an epic intro where the camera begins inside a jack-o'-lantern, pulls out to a grim reaper's hand holding a martini yeah like a real one yeah and pushes into an electric guitar and so this yeah. is time to jack-o'-lantern to grim reaper to uh electric guitar time to halloween zero seconds yeah shortly thereafter an angry man carl enters and looks around the party he gets intercepted by his friend who's dressed as dead abraham lincoln dead abe uh, does not want any drama at his party. D- dead Abe. I was like, oh. Do you remember we talked about on 16 and Bag my costume getting mistaken for Dead Abraham Lincoln? My Jack <laughs> yeah. the Ripper costume? I was like, no, Dead Abe. You can't do it for real by accident. It's okay, but for real, too soon. <laughs> too soon. I like that. Carl promises his friend that all the things his girlfriend said about him aren't true. He only wants to stay for one drink. And besides, no one's going to know he's even there because he's wearing a disguise. He's in this like lacy pirate shirt and vest and like those weird red striped pirate pants. Did you pick up on the fact that both of our episodes started with an angry, abusive ex-boyfriend dressed as a pirate. Yep. I was pretty floored <laughs> when when uh, your episode started. I was like, oh shit, Brad's dressed like a pirate. So even though he's dressed like a pirate, he also has a gold like domino mask that he puts on. A sort of quasi-masquerade style mask, which is weird, but it covers his face somewhat and that's all that matters so he goes into the party but instantly his girlfriend recognizes him and 
she even recognizes him from behind. And I was like, is he that obvious a figure or does he always dress as a pirate for <laughs> costume parties? Or he does he make seem a, like the inventive type? Yeah. I mean, or maybe, you know, before they broke up, he's like, I'm going to dress as the, a cool pirate for this party. <laughs> but anyway, it doesn't matter because she's breaking up with him. He's an abuser. He hit her. Apparently, he strangled a previous girlfriend uh, lightly, we are to imagine. Um, uh-huh. I thought he strangled her to death. That was my takeaway. Um, I mean, all she says is that she strangled her. Uh, so, you know, so we don't know. His friend, you know, Dead Abe runs over there, tries to get him to leave. Carl threatens them both loudly and publicly. And then whatever, man, he stomps off to the kitchen to blow off some steam. There's a creepy woman in there uh, sitting up on the counter crow style eating cherries. She says that she's overheard all of Carl's relationship issues. And he's like, oh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm not really that bad. You know, there's just, you know, certain, certain offenses require certain punishments and she's she's cool with it she's she's a pretty easygoing lady she's dressed in like a tight black rubber punk outfit and she has this pale white mask that is skin tight and it's it's like nearly seamless like a porcelain doll mask it look yeah it looks like a partly cracked porcelain doll mask except there are no seams around the edges so it's like glued onto her face or something and, um, you know, Carl being uh, a typical douchebag, he's got to ask, What are you? <laughs> no, I mean, costume. And then she has her weird answer. I'm a body bag. I thought the invitation said, come as you are. Carl asks this body bag lady what her name is, and she tells him to pick one. And so he picks Molly. And Molly invites him back to her place, which is uh, a, an abandoned, derelict building that's like this ramshackle hovel with like holes in the walls and bare exposed boards. It's all gritty and dark and dingy. So they drink gin and they agree to have anonymous sex, no last names, masks on. Things get freaky fast. And Molly is like goading Carl to take out all of his rage on her body. And he does. And we see it. It's a pretty explicit episode. So after the deed is done, Carl awakens to the sound of digital didgeridoos, or as I like to call them, digididoos. And there's also like this shadowy figure that Shudder walks in. Oh yeah, that part was genuinely creepy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really using the sort of modern visual language of horror films where someone kind of uh, flickers in place and um, it's almost like stop motion animation. This weird dark figure kind of creeps into his room and we see it's a a bearded man in a trench coat and he opens his mouth real wide and is sort of screaming silently and then he vanishes. Carl gets out of bed and he hears all this tapping and buzzing, some kind of construction and he is about to investigate when Molly pops out of this little side room with a portable buzzsaw. And she's been working on some kind of project. She was making a stand. She gives him another drink. You know, hair the dog that bit you. Some more gin for their post-coital uh, 
escapades. So Carl, who is now purged of all his negative emotions, gets really clingy. He's like all of a sudden all like sweet and caring. And he, he wants to take his mask off and, you know, tell her who he is. He wants to know all about her, uh, even her shoe size. And she just flat out refuses. And she tells him to leave. And immediately the, the anger and the controlling nature come back. Yeah. You know, we see that that clingy side of Carl is just the flip side. He's like, you changed me, baby. It's all gone. I don't need it anymore. And then she's like, fuck off. And he's like, I'll fucking kill you, bitch. She comes out of the other room with a bone saw or whatever. And he's like, you, <laughs> ah, you do what I tell you to do. I, I feel like he should have been a little more careful at that point. But he just can't control it. I think he can't control himself. And so, you know, she tells him to leave and... He doesn't leave. He ransacks her entire house trying to uh, dig up information on who she is or her name. So he stumbles into the bathroom, opens up the medicine cabinet, and there's all these bottles of pills. And they've all had the names scraped off. And I thought that one detail was really creepy. Mm -hmm. uh, he does too. So he busts out into the kitchen he's like ripping open drawers he finds her uh purse and inside her wallet there's nothing but empty slips of paper he finds a pile of mail and it's all made out to like occupant and current homeowner and resident with nothing to go on he breaks into that room that she was working in and inside one wall is like a rack of like wires and nails and there's a workbench with some tools and liquids. And then this huge, creepy, giant cabinet. It almost looks mirrored. But what looks like a mirror at first is like a thick layer of grime and dust. And when he wipes it off, he sees other faces looking back at him. And so he opens it up. And inside this cabinet, there are several very lifelike masks that are crawling with cockroaches. Instead of acknowledging all these red flags, he goes in and confronts Molly. He tries to tear her mask off, and she's like, no, don't. And when he pulls at her face, it draws blood, you know? It must be very delicate because it immediately crumbles into bloody streaks. But also, you know, uh, Carl is freaking yoked. The rage of an abuser. And, and Yeah, and, he's, and he doesn't trim his nails. Oh, I bet. Um, so they fight for the portable saw, and in his exertion, those drugs that Molly slipped into his drink finally kick in. And as Carl is passing out, she tells him, It was never a mask, Carl. It's the way I was born. She fires up the buzz saw, and the next time we see Carl, he is just another skin mask in her cabinet. Molly turns on the buzz saw and looks into her own reflection in the spinning blade. The end. She uses, She also uses his blood as lipstick. It should also be noted that once again, the Crypt Keeper section had nothing to do with Halloween or faces or anything like that. It was just a poker game. I, I, I was wondering how they were going to relate the two. 
And I laughed out loud when the Crypt Keeper was like, the brute in this week's episodes, his game is relationships. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's... That is that is a too thin a connection, Crypt But Keeper. at the end, uh, one of the skeletons playing poker got a fire poker through its face, and the Crypt Keeper said, Now that's a poker face! <laughs> yeah, they just had a so, backlog of uh, gambling puns they needed yeah. to... <laughs> Clear, clear off the decks. But yeah, you know, I didn't really understand. Uh, a, no one could possibly be born with a face like that. It's not like she had just a pale, featureless face. She also had, like, aesthetic little China doll cracks yeah. in the corners. And that's what made me think it was, you know, it was like a weird glued-on mask and that her face underneath was going to be like a fleshy skull or something. Oh, right. Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to be her 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 actual face just because of the way things were playing out. But but she also didn't steal faces because she had a weird face. She did it to get like revenge on abusers. Like she didn't wear their faces yeah. or anything. It was just it was kind so of random. I thought she was going to be a face stealer who would wear faces. And when you see her face, you know the top of her quote unquote mask is like blended seamlessly. So you're like, wow, that's really skin tight and glued on. But around her eyes and nose, um, the <laughs> seams aren't quite so good. Right. So that gave me the impression that, no, there, this is a layer and her real face is underneath. And this being Tales from the Crypt, I bet her face underneath is terrible. But instead, she just happened to have been born with a face that kind of looked like a China doll, <laughs> doll mask. mask. Yeah. Maybe her idea was that since she didn't have a pleasant face, other people didn't deserve their pleasant faces. But it was still only abusive men. She's just crazy. And, and yeah, um, all of uh, the masks that or the, the faces that we saw were of men. So it's not like she puts them on... You know, as far as we know. Yeah, she's making a stand. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was it was weird. It was weird. Um, a little loose, Crypt Keeper. A little loose. But she also seemed to, uh, like, know things about him. Yeah, maybe she had magic, too. Well, she claimed that, like, she overheard all of his relationship woes and stuff at the party. But she also, like, knew his favorite drink and stuff mm, like that. Maybe she and was just like, stalking him. Was she stalking him? Is she a face stealer? I don't know. But... You know, there's there's two ways to kind of look at these unresolved stories, and one is be like, "Whoa, that's so weird! I'm gonna I'm gonna keep thinking about it and make up my own ideas." And and the mystery is cooler than any answers you could give me. That's definitely. And true. the other way is like, you didn't explain the rules of this. I'm upset. Is she a magic face dealer or not? When I was watching this, I was like, "Oh, this is very Lynchian." So I wrote that in my notes, and I was like, "Wait, this isn't Lynchian." This is more like David Fincher or Finchian. You know, it's as described, there, there's a lot of um, decay. Uh, there's even cockroaches inside the jack-o'-lantern in the beginning. There's like tight black leather. There's graphic sex, close-ups of sweaty skin, close-ups of dark eyeballs. The, the creepy uh, flickering man who, like, screams and disappears and saws and nails and exposed boards and derelict burned-out buildings and bare mattresses. Like, it, it was very much like the movie Seven, 
uh, or at least it, mm. it reminded me visually. And I was surprised when I looked it up. This episode of Tales from the Crypt came out one year before the movie Seven. Plagiarism. I, I think um, just at that time, dark visuals were all trending in a certain direction with like green uh, overhead fluorescent lights and like close-ups of cockroaches and like camera flicker and stuff like that like a nine inch nails video when we're at our most comfortable economically we turn to the dark side to get our kicks indeed which is why this episode is a happy halloween episode check it out on my flesh like you want to all right let's uh jump to these ratings real quick let's jump into these ratings real sick <laughs> Body count for Are You Afraid of the Dark? Zero. Zero. I mean, we see the ghosts, but we've well established that that doesn't count. Prior deaths. We might need to debate this issue. Body count for Tales from the Crypt. Well, one. We only got the one. We, got, we only got the one on-screen kill. We know that Carl dies off-screen, mind you. Yeah. But we also know for a fact that the faces are it's true, actual but we, human we know faces. for a fact that Ichabod Crane died and we're not counting him. So the faces we can't count because they were prior by our rules. I feel like we can count the faces, but we got to count Ichabod Crane and possibly the headless horseman too. But by that logic, we need to retroactively count all the skeletons in Bigfoot Lodge. I don't remember if we counted those skeletons, but I think we did count the skeletons for the Tale of Badge. Yeah. Our rules are loose at best. So, uh, you know, you between, still win because you get like four or five and I only have two. So, so somewhere you know. between body count between one and five. Um, scare factor. Uh, the only scary part was the uh, the flickering ghost man. And, and I mean, I guess, honestly, I, I, f I found it more scary when he was like, when the when dead Abraham Lincoln was like, you gotta go, you gotta get out of my house. And the much bigger guy was like, I'm not going anywhere, fucko. And I, I found myself thinking like, Jesus, what would I do in that situation? Like, I can't physically best this person, you know? That sucks. Yeah. What a, they, what a they, situation. They cast a pretty beefy boy. Yeah. Um, and he was and he was drunk and angry. Uh, yeah, a, a scary looking dude. Scare factor in Midnight Ride. It's not very scary, but I do like the part when Ichabod shows up. I think that's kind of ghostly and cool. It was very atmospheric. It was very atmospheric. I do like the part also where the horseman comes out of the wall. I think that was a pretty neat, pretty good effect. That was cool. I liked it when he came out of the the massive curtain of uh, fog juice. Yeah, fog juice. Their, their fog juice budget on this episode must have been insane. That's where it all went. Fog juice factor, high. high. Gross factor, uh, very gross. High. Yeah, very for gross. Tales from the crypt, and not gross whatsoever. Not gross at all for Midnight Ride. What the factor? Midnight Ride. Yeah, pretty. I think pretty straightforward. What the factor in Tales from the Crypt? I, I don't think it was that high, really, because. It was like, okay, she's giving him a drink. She's obviously going to drug him. She's, like, playing with a bone saw. She's going to take his face. Her face is weird, so she's got a thing with faces. I, I feel like it was all... I, I didn't think it was that surprising. But minutes ago, you were questioning why she does what she does. Well, that's true. What, what does she even do? What's the, her What the factor deal? of her motivations was pretty high. You're, you're right about that. Theme of Halloween. I think the theme of Halloween for Midnight Ride was high because you had the prep for the Halloween party. You had the Halloween party. You had the jack-o'-lantern that he had to go find. Ghosts. Yeah, and uh, walking through the dark on Halloween night. 
to go back to the house where the porch light turns on at the end of Trick or Treats. Theme of Halloween for Tales from the Crypt, only skin deep. High for the first five minutes and then virtually non-existent for the rest of the episode. But here's the thing. Like I said, it is an epic intro that starts inside a jack-o'-lantern and tours you through an amazing Halloween party. And then the rest of the episode is about masks. And this episode came out on Halloween. Ooh, well, yeah, that's something. The first minute, I was like, ooh, Halloween factor. Hi, my word. But as soon as they get to her house, like, she, there's no decorations for Halloween at all. And, I mean, Midnight Ride is kind of the same way, except that they're still, well, they're both wearing their costumes still for, for both episodes. Yeah. Until the very, very end. You're right. Carl uh, wears his mask up until the, the very yeah. end of the episode. I think that Midnight Ride ekes out Halloween theme, but only just. Totally 80s for Tales from the Crypt. Even though that's a 90s episode, as we've huh. established, early 90s is synonymous with very late 80s and um the sort of punk rock uh goth look of well that that's molly that's definitely more of a 90s thing i mean that that's the crow that's you know emo rock that that's all 90s all the way unless you're counting like the cure or whatever although even the cure might have been kind of a late 80s early 90s type of a deal you always try to justify 80s in these things but i got a zero 80s vibes off of this i just associate uh the studded belts and collars and black leather stuff with 80s punks like sort of a lost boys you know cure kind of thing um or misfits the lost boys is super 80s but only because you always associate it with the 90s um, I think it just, it much like this episode, it just kind of overlapped the two. That being said, like, zero 80s vibes, but also zero 90s vibes, except for Ian's hair. And even before he changed into his Ichabod Crane uh, appropriate outfit, it was very baggy and floppy. Like, his whole look was pretty 90s. That is a little 90s, I guess, and, and I'm sure that uh, Katie was wearing, like, a vest over a big puffy shirt. I'd have to go back again, but... You're right, that is a very 90s look. I'm going to give that one to (laughs) Are You Afraid of the Dark? As always, just because of the wardrobe on that show. Wardrobe, yeah. Lesson learned. Sometimes in these episodes, it's it's much like time to kryptonite or time to, you know, sure or whatever. Sometimes they just don't have it. Sometimes they're very like, especially with Are You Afraid of the Dark, sometimes it's a very movie of the week where it has a very clear lesson that it wants to teach you. And sometimes it just doesn't have that. Sometimes there is no vink factor. Yeah. The lesson I took from it was that if you meet a lady and she takes you back to a squatter's den and agrees to have anonymous rough sex, don't accept a drink after. And just get out of there. Get out of there while the getting's good. Oh, the getting was good. Check it out on my flesh. The winner is and always shall be Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> How could this happen on Halloween? I can't take it. I refuse to accept this defeat, sir, and I challenge you. You must go to the Bridge of the Souls, take the left at the fork, no matter which direction you approach it from, and bring back the pumpkin. Otherwise, it's curtains for you. This town has a Bridge of Souls? Rerun for your life. <laughs> Happy Halloween! 